All right, the book of Proverbs, chapter 17. If you're there, would you say amen? amen. All right, here's what I want to do tonight. I want to read a couple of verses. And when I read these verses, you're probably going to say, Good night. What's all that got to do with this? Well, hang on for just a minute. I'm just going to read these verses. I think they're very self-explanatory, but let me do it. Look at verse 27 and verse number 28. Here's what the Bible said. He that hath knowledge spareth his words. He that hath knowledge. Can I put that in for psychiatry language? If you're a smart person, you don't say a lot. You watch what you say. Let's read on. Look at verse 27. And a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. Boy, I tell you what, I want to have a good spirit, don't you? I really do. Look at verse 28. Even a fool. Now we, we, we went to the opposite end of the spectrum from a, a wise man that has knowledge that spares his word. Then verse 28 says this, Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. Again, we go back now to words. Here's an old boy. Maybe he don't have a lot of education. Maybe he's not very smart. But I tell you what, when he, when he don't say a lot, when he holds his peace, he's considered to be a wise person. And then notice this last phrase, And he that shutteth his lips is esteemed of a man of understanding. Now, both of these verses deal with words in reality. Both of these verses deal with things that we say, uh, the things that we, we do. And uh, I just, if you'll stay with me for just a minute, I want to use these verses to speak on a subject tonight that I hope the Lord will use. I was actually going to tell you what I was going to preach on this morning, and I thought, well, if I do that, they'll saturate this place with their absence. <laughs> so I, I'm glad you're back tonight. I'm not going to go off on a rant. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to get up here and be mad tonight. I want to have a great spirit about this, but I want you to listen to me because this is from my heart. And I just want to share some things with you that's on my heart tonight about this, okay? Let's pray. Father, would you help us now? Thank you for these great verses about a man that has understanding, will spare his words. He'll be careful what he says. Or as the case may be, he'll be careful what he types. A man that, uh, even a fool, uh, when he holds his peace, is considered to be wise. He'll be careful not to jump off, the, uh, jump off into some area that he, he doesn't have knowledge about and begin to say things or type things that he doesn't have any knowledge about. God, help us tonight from this text and from the Bible as we look at other verses in the Bible. Please help us tonight from this, uh, this text. And God, give me grace and help me tonight as I preach on this subject, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. As most of us in this room are well aware of, our Bible is not a book of particulars as much as it is a book of principles. What I mean by that, you know in the Bible, God doesn't address every subject or every situation that we may encounter along the journey of life. But what God does is, instead of giving us a particular verse about it, God gives us principles throughout the Word of God to apply to those subjects and to those situations that you and I may face. By the way, could you just imagine how big our Bibles would be if God 
were to have addressed every rule or given us a rule for every situation or every subject that, that, we've in, that we would encounter in life, we'd need a forklift to get our Bible to and from church. I mean, our Bibles would be massive if God covered every subject and gave a particular verse about every subject. But God doesn't do that in the Bible. Instead, what God does, God gives us principles to go by. God gives us guidelines to help us to draw and to reach proper conclusions to, to help us as we live out our lives to do so in a way that is pleasing and is honoring to Him. Our Bible was probably completed somewhere around 90 A.D., around somewhere around there. But I want to tell you that our Bible that was so relevant back in 90 A.D. is so relevant to us living in 2019. I mean, the Word of God is right up to date with where you and I are living at. And the subject tonight that I want to talk about is not specifically addressed in the Bible. However, we do find principles in the Bible that I think we can use in dealing with this subject that uh, will help us to bring glory and honor to the Lord. So tonight, I want to speak on this subject right here. I'm going to speak on the Bible and social media. The Bible, the Word of God, the principles in the Bible when it comes to the subject of social media. Now, I think we all know that we're living in a world today, and to put, put it mildly, we're living in a world today that has become enamored with social media. I remember several years ago, I've been here for, this is my 22nd year, so I remember back in the late 90s, the early 2000s, when the kids in our Christian school was getting in trouble over something called MySpace.com. You may remember that, MySpace.com. And I'm telling you, we had so many kids in our Christian school and kids in our public schools that were getting into all sorts of problems because of something called MySpace.com. They were going on there and they were putting immodest pictures of themselves and saying things on MySpace.com. And when it got back to us in the school, then we had to deal, we had to deal with that. And then from that point forward, uh, we have had to put particular rules in our handbook, in our Christian school, to kind of cover us in this area when it comes to social media. On February the 4th, 2004, a man by the name of Mark Zuckerberg founded a website, and the reason he founded this website was for Harvard University students so they could stay in touch with each other. And he called it Facebook. That's right. It was called Facebook, and he started it just so the Harvard University students could stay in touch with each other. But by the end of 2004, there were one million users on Facebook. Predominantly, they were college students in the United States and Canada, but listen to this, as of last year, there are now more than 2.1 billion people that use Facebook monthly. Now, you've got to stop and say, okay, 2.1 billion people, but there's, a, there's about 7.5 billion of us in the world. So that's a pretty good crowd of us that use Facebook monthly. The fastest growing demographic of ages and sex, of the two sexes that uses Facebook is women from the age of 55 to 65. That's a little bit shocking, isn't it? 
Facebook has opened the door for all other, all various kinds of social media websites or phone apps, such as Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and, Snapchat, and then this is a new one, something called TikTok. I'm not making that up. It's real. In fact, there are so many social media sites that it's almost hard to keep track of all the ways that people can communicate with each other online. Social media has a, just about affected us in every area of society today. I actually heard this. this is, so this is not something I've read. I actually heard this with my own two ears. But I heard, heard a mother say the other day that the best way to get her, her kids to come and eat supper now was to no longer holler for them. It was to send them a message on Facebook to get them to come and eat supper. I read about this one lady, and I did read this one, about this one lady who was addicted to Facebook. And this could be a man or a woman, but in this case, the story that I read was a woman. She was addicted to Facebook, so her husband sent her a message through Facebook which read, Dear wife, I am sending you this message to bring you up to date on the events of our family. I tried to talk to you while you were on your computer, but you just kept telling me that you would BRB, whatever that means. So I decided to send you a message. You need to know that John Jr. cut his first tooth today. He's the one that you bounce on your knees while you're typing and surfing the Internet. Susie uh, went out with her friends on Saturday night, said she had a good time, and just wanted me to tell you that she appreciates you allowing her to use your car. She put the keys back on the key rack underneath the cobwebs where she found them. Our son is now playing football. He looks forward to going to school now that he has a sport to play. He wants to know if you would come to one of his games if we could bring a laptop for you. Let's see. What else is new? Oh, yeah, since the last time that I wrote you three months ago, the refrigerator had to be replaced. Our dog died. Our church has got a new preacher, and I don't know if you know this or not, but I now have a new job. Well, I think that's about it. I'll email you again, message you again in about three months. Honey, you take care of yourself. We all miss you very much, and we'll see you the next time the power goes off. <laughs> Love your husband. Now, that could be written about... I'm not picking on ladies because that could be written about men as well because so many people are addicted today to social... Social media. Now, I want to tell you tonight and be truthful about it that social media is not bad. So I want you to sit here and say, boy, I've already got my, my claws are out, my hair on the back of my neck standing up because I tell you what, I'm going to be mad at him what he's going to say tonight, but I'm telling you, man, social media, is, it's, 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 me, it's, a, it's neither good nor bad. There's nothing wrong with social media. It's how we use it that either makes it good or bad. It boils down again to choices. How we use it can be used for good. And how we use it can be used for bad. I must confess social media can be used as a great tool to present the gospel and carry the message of the gospel out to lost humanity. We stream our services. This service tonight is being streamed over our website. And this service is being streamed over Facebook as well. 
social media is a great outlet to use to present the gospel. We now have, I don't know if you've been on the new website, but we have a new website now, uh, on the same website, but it's been refreshed and made new. And now you can go on our website and plan your visit to this church. And I got on there this morning while just before service, and I looked and three people had been on the website and planned their visit to church this morning. I say again, social media can be used for good. When you uh, c contact other people, uh, you stay in touch with other people, let other people know you're praying for them, so forth, so, so on. It can be used for good, but it can also be used for bad. While we can use it to reach people, and we can use it to express our love and our concern for other people, it can also be used to ruin our testimony and to ruin the credibility of our church the integrity of the testimony of Woodland Baptist Church. It's all how we use it. It's how we choose to use it. I just want to remind everybody in this room that when you joined Woodland Baptist Church, you entered into an agreement with us. You entered into a covenant with God and this church that you would do some things and that you would not do some things. Now, we have a church covenant here. We go over that from time to time. But can I just stop the sermon at this point? And let me just read to you. I don't even know if you knew you was doing this or not. But when you joined this church, you said, yes, I'll do some things. And there are some things that I will not do. So let me just stop the sermon. Can I read to you what you covenant agree to do with our church when you join it? Let's get started here. And boy, let me just read it real fast. It says, to strive for the advancement of this church in knowledge, holiness, and comfort. So number one, we say, man, we're going to push our church. We're going to really strive. We're going to work to make our church be the best church that it possibly can be. We go on to say to promote its prosperity and spirituality, to sustain its worship, ordinances, doctrines, and discipline, to walk circumspectly in the world. Now, let me tell you, that word circumspectly, we don't really use that word a whole lot. So let me define what circumspectly means. If you're walking circumspectly, it would be like this. A cat walking a split rail fence between two pit bulldogs. Now let me tell you what that cat's going to do. He's going to be careful. I mean, if he's got a pit bull on this side, maybe it won't be, yeah, 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 that's a poodle. Pit bull, woof, woof. On this side, another pit bull. And that cat's going to be careful as it walks that split rail fence. It's going to walk circumspectly. When we joined the church, we said, hey, we're going to be careful as we walk through this world. Let's continue. To be just in our dealings, faithful in our engagements, and exemplary. That, there it goes back to that example again. In our deportment, our behavior how we conduct our lives. We're going to try our best. Now, nobody's perfect. No member of this church is perfect. And let me just say this, the pastor's not perfect. I'm not up here tonight tooting my horn because, brother, you follow me around long enough. I got faults, man. If you don't believe me, ask this little lady sitting right over here. She'll tell you I got plenty of faults. I got a lot of sins in my life. Pray for me, if you will. But I want to be a good example in my behavior. goes on to say this, to avoid. Now, listen. To avoid all what? Say it with me. And? And excessive? 
and to be zealous in our efforts to advance the kingdom of the... Can I put that... Can I just sum all that up in this phrase? When you and I joined this church, we promised, we promised that we would not do anything to hurt the name, the testimony, the integrity, and the credibility of our Savior, let alone our church. But one of the ways that we can do damage to the Lord Jesus and one of the ways that we can do damage to our church is by what we put on our social media sites. Now, I've got to confess to you. Let me confess right up front. I don't have a Facebook. I don't have a Twitter. I don't have an Instagram. I don't have a Snapchat. And I don't even know what a TikTok is. I thought that's what a clock did, TikTok. I don't have any of that, but I want to say this. That don't make me any more spiritual than anybody that does has those things. You see, I realize we got good people in our church and godly people and people who love the Lord Jesus, and they got all them things. They got a Twitter account. They've got Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok. They've got all those things. So I just want you to understand, I'm not lifting myself up because I don't have that. I don't know about y'all. I struggle enough getting myself to read my Bible every day. I do. That's, that's me. That's not you. I'm just telling you, man, if I had something like that that I could get caught up in, I may not be reading my... I'm saying of me, I may not read my Bible every day, so I, I just try to steer clear of anything that's going to distract me from doing what I'm supposed to do. That's me. You may not struggle with reading your Bible. You may get on that stuff and you may talk and chat and whatever you do on all that. You, tweet, tweet. You may do tweet, tweet. You may do all of that and never have a problem with it. But I do. Y'all pray for me. So I'm not saying I'm more spiritual than you because I don't have those things. Maybe it's a lack of my spirituality that I don't have those things. I don't know. So this is not a hate message. This is not, this is not a message tonight where I'm down on everybody. But I would like to remind you of four things from the Word of God tonight when it comes to social media. The first thing I want to remind you of is this. Remember that we have all been saved to be different. I preached about that this morning. We have all been saved to be different. God did not save us in our sins. God saved us from our sins. God did not. There's a verse. There's a question that's asked. I want to say it's Romans 6.15. 6, and it says this, What? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? In other words, what that verse is saying is, Okay, just because we've been saved by the grace of God, does that mean we can go out and just continue to live the way that we used to live? I think not. The Bible said that the grace of God that bringeth salvation, Titus 2.11, hath appeared to all men, teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly lust and to live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave His blood to redeem us from our sin. Listen, I'm here to tell you, the same grace that saved me now teaches me that I'm to be godly, sober and righteous in this world. I am a work in progress just like you are. But I am saved to be different. I am saved. Jesus came into my heart and He saved me and He made a change in my life and He'll make a change in your life when you get saved as well. And I know one thing, when you get saved, you will change. 
I believe that. Now that change may not be as noticeable in some people as it is in other people. For instance, here's an eight-year-old boy that gives his heart to Jesus. He ain't going into the depths of sin that maybe an 80-year-old man has. So when that 80-year-old man gets saved, the change is so much more miraculous than this eight-year-old boy. But I promise you this, when Jesus moves in, thank God, sin and Satan will move out. And there'll be a difference in your life. There'll be a difference in your appetite. There'll be a difference in your actions. There'll be a difference in your appearance. Now, come here. I should have said this this morning, but I am going to say it tonight. And I love you, and I'm saying this from a heart of love. But I just want to know, I want to tell you, I know summer's coming. So let me just go ahead and address this right now. By the end of the week, I think they're already saying 80 degrees or 90 in the mid-80s. And I know summer's coming, and I know when summer comes, it gets hot. And I know when it's hot, one of the things that we do is we like to take clothes off because it's getting hot. And what you dress and how you dress at your home is your business. But when we come in here, this is the house of God. And we need to be sure that we're dressed. Look, look, look at this. You don't dress down to come to church. You may have dress down day on Friday at your work, but we don't dress down at church. We dress up at church. I mean, we're coming, and I'm not saying this to our visitors. Bless your heart. Thank you for coming. But I'm talking to the members tonight. And brother, I know it's getting hot, but don't you come in here dressed in some half-dressed fashion, some half-dressed manner. This is the house of God, friend. We ought to dress up when we come to church. And I'm not just talking to the ladies. I'm talking to the men as well. Hey, brother, we ought to be sure that we're dressed right. Don't you dress down. Dress up when you come to the house of God. You say, preacher, God loves me anyway. Yeah, I know he does. I agree wholehearted with you. But those of us that have been saved, we know better. Hey, let's don't adopt the mentality of the world. Hey, let's don't, let's don't adopt the mentality of the unsaved. They don't know any better. We do. We're saved. We're people of the Bible. We've been saved long enough to know how to dress when we come to the house of God. It's getting hot. I know it is. I understand that. And again, what you, how, what you wear in your yard, it's your house, it's your business. But when you walk in here, I, I hate it, but it, does, it becomes my business then. And I just want to tell you, I love you, I love our church, but let's just do right. I, I want to say the Lord will make a difference in your life. Salvation will change your heart. Now back to the live sermon. Salvation will change your heart. Salvation will change your habits. Salvation will change your hangouts. Thank God salvation will make a difference in your life. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things passed away. Behold, all things become new. Salvation will change the way that you live. But if you aren't careful... There is a possibility you and I can get saved and never grow in grace. And we can just hang around, hang around the perimeter of where we got in. If we don't move on and grow in grace like the Bible commands us to do and, and, and read our Bibles and pray and be faithful to church and, and study the Word of God, we're going to keep, we're going to hang around that line where we got in and it's going to be awful easy if you hang around right there to reach back over into your unsaved life and bring some of that baggage of the unsaved life and set it down into the saved life. 
And if you aren't careful hanging around that line, you'll bring some of that garbage over into your new life. And if you aren't careful, it'll, it'll, be, it'll begin to show up in your life. And then when you get on social media and you start talking about the places you've been and, and taking selfies at places you don't need to be, you don't understand. You say, well, preacher, it's my business. I got you. It is your business. But if you're a member of this church, it hurts our church. We're different. We're God's people. We said when we joined over here, we said that we weren't going to do anything to bring reproach on our Savior or on our church. But when we're, we're a place where we shouldn't be and we... And then we put it out there. Hurts our testimony. How many of y'all are with me on that? Am I in the... Am I in the I'm, just, I'm just saying, number one, Jesus will change your life. Let me say number two, diving a little bit further. Number two, remember. Not only remember that we have been saved to be different, but just remember this, that others are watching our lives. Other people are watching our lives. I understand like you do that salvation is a personal choice. And everybody has to make that choice to be saved. And nobody can make that choice for them. I understand all that, but I also understand by the lives that you and I lead that we can either help people or hurt people when it comes to them receiving the Lord Jesus themselves. In other words, by my life, I am either attracting people toward Jesus or I'm repelling people away from Jesus by my life. You say, I don't believe that. Let me read you some verses. Watch this. Look up on the screen. Let me read you some verses. Romans 14, 7. Let's read this together. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man died. What's that verse saying? Simply saying this. No man's an island. The way that I live influences other people. No man liveth to himself. If you don't believe that, the way that I live influences my family. The way that I live influences this church. The way that I live influences those that I want to try to get saved. None of us live it to himself. And when I die and I'm dead and, my, and I'm gone, my life will continue to speak on because I'm not an island. My life, I can't help it. It influences other people. Look at this verse. The Bible said this, You're our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. Let me, let, me, let me clarify that verse. Paul is writing to the church of Corinth and he's reminding them that they, they are the fruit of his labor in the city of Corinth. And then here's what he says about them. Ye, you are our epistle. You are, and you're written in our hearts and your lives are known and read of all men. People won't read that Bible, but they'll read your life. They won't pick up the Word of God, but they'll watch you and me. Look at this verse. The Bible said this, For I think that God has set forth us, the apostles, last, as it were appointed to death, for we are made. And I just want you to look at this word, spectacle. You don't have to believe me. Get your strongs out when you get home. But the word spectacle is where we get our English word theater from. So Paul said this, For we are made a theater unto the world and to angels and to men. So in other words, what he's saying is how we live our lives, we live it out on the stage of humanity and they're watching us. It's like a grand theater. And men are watching us as we live out 
our daily lives. Let me read one other verse to you. Look at this. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now, leave that up. So by my, if I live right and I do right and I live good, then I'm glorifying God. But if I live wrong and I live evil and I live bad, who am I glorifying then? I'm glorifying the devil. How in the world can I pray, oh God, give me this day my daily bread? How can I ask God to supply the needs of my life when I'm going to use the body that I put the food in that God gives me to go out and serve the devil? The Bible is just simply teaching us that people are watching our lives. And I'm either going to be a stepping stone where somebody can... <laughs> Watch this. I'm either going to be a stepping stone on somebody's way to God... Or I'm going to be a stumbling block where somebody stumbles over my life and dies and goes to hell. Death is coming. Hell is moving. We just sang that. Can we bear to watch them go? Hey, what kind of life are you setting? What kind of example on your social media are you setting before a lost and a dying world? The things that you say, the things that you put on your social media, why in the world are, 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 are they glorifying and pleasing and honoring to the Lord? I think all of us in this room are well, well aware of the fact that the devil uses anything and everything in his arsenal to keep people from coming to Jesus. You agree with that? Say amen. amen. Then i got a question for you. Why should I give him more fuel for his fodder? Why should I give him more bullets for his gun? Why should I give him more arsenal for his artillery? I mean, why should I put stuff out there for people to read who know I'm a child of God, I'm a Christian, I'm a member of this church right here, or put pictures on there in places that I shouldn't be and do all of that and, and give the devil an opportunity to say, now look, man, if that's a Christian, you're all right, don't worry about it. We've got to remember, others are watching our life. I was preaching the other night about the great white throne judgment the other night. And then as it closes, we, we, we turn the chapter and we move into heaven. And the Bible said that God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Why in the world, uh, in, in of all places called like heaven, why are we crying? Why are we weeping there? I'll tell you why we're weeping. Because we just saw our loved ones be cast into the lake of fire. Maybe some of those that we cause to stumble over our worldly carnal lives. We've got to remember, re remember, remember, remember that we've been saved to be different. It'll show up. You know, in our, in, when I was growing up, and you older, folk, you younger people won't remember this, but they had a, the yellow pages. We don't even use them anymore. But it said this, let your fingers do the walking. Now, in our day, our fingers don't do the walking. Our fingers do the talking. Be careful how you talk on your social media. Be careful where you film yourself or where you shoot yourself or where you tweet yourself on your social media. Let me say number three. Look at this one. I, gotta, I want to really just say this and move on. But it's better to say it to the face 
than to write it on Facebook. It's better. You know, people in our day, those tough conversations, the easy way out is to send a text message. Just a couple of weeks ago, y'all don't even know this. I probably shouldn't tell you this, but I'm going to because I was tempted to do this, but I messed up back in April. I had two revival meetings, one one week, one the next week. One was in Georgia. Um, the other one was, I want to say it was in Tennessee, and I got it all messed up. And to make, make a long story short, I lost both those revival meetings because I put them down wrong. So I was going up the road, and I realized what I'd done and the reason I realized what I'd done is because I went by another church I was going to be preaching at. I thought in three weeks, and they had on the sign, Brother Tim's going to be here next week. And I thought, man, I, oh my goodness, I'm supposed to be there next week? I thought I was supposed to be in Tennessee next week and the next week. So I, I, you know what I thought? I thought, I'll just drop in preachers a text and let them know I'm not going to be able to come. And I thought, no, I'm the idiot that messed up. I better put my man britches on and call those fellas. And even though I lost both those meetings, and I should have, I sure did feel better when I got off the phone with them than just dropping them a text message letting them know I'm not going to be able to come. I apologized to them. I asked, asked them for their forgiveness because I messed up. And I sure unto God wasn't going to send them a text message about it. Can I say in our day, that's the coward's way out. Well, I'm mad at somebody, so I'm going to get on my Facebook and I'm going to tell them off. How pitiful. People will get behind a, Facebook, a, a computer and type things in, on a screen in their home, but they wouldn't dare say them to a person's face. But I got a great verse. I said social media is not mentioned in the Bible, but I want to show you from the Word of God that it is mentioned in the Bible. And I want to show it to you right here. Look at this verse right here. Second John 1 verse 12 says this, Having many things to write unto you, I would not write with paper and ink, but I trust to come unto you and speak face to face. You see something? When you and I, you, what we don't understand, we're losing the ability to communicate, but what we don't understand is when we've got to make something right with somebody, or even if we've got to confront somebody about something that's happened, they need to be there to see the demeanor, the expression on your face. The demeanor, the, uh, the, the attitude, the, the, uh, the, 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 the meekness of your spirit, you can't catch that on a computer. You can't catch that on a, on a Facebook. You can't catch that on a cell phone. So it's always better instead of sitting down. If we got a lot to write and to say, it's better than to sit down and write it out. It's better to speak. Am I in the book now? Speak face to face. Yeah. Hey, it's, when you've got a, a, a dispute, you've got to settle. And God knows we've got some we've got to settle. But when you've got something you need to settle, don't settle it through Facebook. Hey, brother, can I call you? Can I talk to you? I need to, I need to speak to you. And when you meet with them, they can see the expressions on your face, the demeanor of your spirit, the attitude of your heart that cannot be conveyed through a computer screen. Can I have an amen? amen? Yes, sir. It's better to always say it to the face than to the Facebook. And then number four, and I'm done. But I want you to get this last one. I saved it for last, and that's this. Once you put it out there, you can't get it back. Once you put it out there, you cannot 
take it back. Now, I want you to bear with me, but listen to this. Facebook. There is something on Facebook called Facebook Stories. It's a Facebook Stories mode that lasts for 24 hours, and, and then it goes away. Then there are things that you can put on Facebook that are, that are permanent. Twitter is permanent unless the, the, the user deletes it. Snapchat, you can open it, and then once you see it, it goes away. Instagram, on the story mode, lasts for 24 hours, and then it goes away. If it's on the permanent mode, it is there as long as forever. TikTok, which is a, an app for songs and funny clips and pictures, is gone in six seconds. But can I tell you something? Nothing ever really goes away. So what I'm trying to say is this. When you take a picture of yourself and you're dressed immodestly and you send it to somebody and say, uh, Snapchat, and they open it and they see it, you say, oh, six, it's gone now. But what if they screenshot it? They've got it forever. What if some of you young ladies take a picture of yourself, some boy is trying to convince you to take a picture of yourself in an immodest dress fashion, and, and, and you go along with that, and you do it, and you send it to them in a Snapchat, and they open it up, and, uh, and, and then you say, it's gone away, six seconds, it's gone, or whatever, and it's gone away, they'll never... But what if he screenshot it? And let's say this. Let's say 10 years from now, you're married. You've got two or three little young'uns running around your house. And you married a preacher. and I mean, man, things are going great. And somebody walks up to you one day and says, Is that you? How embarrassing would that be? What about what you say? You say, Brother Tim, it's gone. No, I don't understand all this, but it's floating around them clouds up yonder somewhere. And somebody much smarter than me can find it and pull it back down. Those pictures you take in the places that you ought not be going anywhere, and then you, you want to, you're so proud of it. Whatever happened not to being proud about, whatever happened to being convicted about things? Being convicted. Man, this ain't right. I shouldn't have, I'm going to take a picture of myself, but I sure unto God ain't going to put it out there where everybody can see it. Because number one, I don't want to hurt my Savior. Number two, I don't want to hurt my church. And I don't want to hurt my testimony. I know some of y'all are looking down, probably half mad at me right now, but uh, you come tonight, and I'm glad you're here. I'm just trying to say, man, please, please, please don't put that stuff out there. Maybe some of you tonight need to go home and just work down through it and say, man, I don't know, that's probably, that's probably not something I need to have on my thing because I want to be a good example of what a Christian is supposed to be, so I'm going to get that off tonight. Would you do that, please? I would really appreciate it. I don't have one to look around. And, I, and can I tell you something? I don't have time to police all that. That's why I got Brother Mark to do it for me. No, I'm kidding. He don't do that for me. I'm kidding about that. He don't do that for me. But can I tell you something? I don't have time to do all that. I don't know what you're saying. I don't know what you're doing. But you do. And God does. And if it's going to hurt our church and hurt our testimony, why don't you just get it off? Man, make it right. 
And let's just purpose, not only as we live out our lives, but as we, whatever, type out our lives on our social media or take our pictures or whatever you do. I'm not against any of that. But in God's name, don't hurt our church. you got more sense about you than that. More discernment. <laughs> Let's go. You've had enough and I've said enough. Let's go. Father, thank you tonight for the Word of God.